Hi, I'm Melissa Corkum. I blog at our family website, www.thecorkums.com, which we affectionately call The Corkboard. This is the Uncorked Podcast, conversations with everyday extraordinary people, people who have conquered, people making a difference in their worlds, brave and beautiful people, but people who in the end are just like you and me. If there's one thing I've learned over the past 10 years, it's about how much I didn't know that I didn't know and how much I still don't know. Our experiences and adoption and loving kids who have aged out of the foster care system, living in the country but owning a coffee shop in the city, and just traveling internationally have so greatly expanded our horizons and shifted our paradigms. And hopefully we're better humans for it. The one common theme through all of those experiences though was just listening to people's stories. Patty Dye once said, the shortest distance between two people is a story. So pull up a chair and an open mind and meet another one of my everyday extraordinary friends. Welcome to episode 22 of the Uncorked podcast. This week's guest, Kristen Taylor, was nominated by number 17's guest, Kathleen Guire. We had a super fun conversation because it turns out we have a lot in common, including our Enneagram numbers and how we don't separate whites from colors when doing laundry. I mean, what more could you ask for in a friend? I think you're going to love her heart for community and what she's been learning by volunteering at her local pregnancy center. Here's my conversation with Kristen. Hi, Kristen. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. So I guess just start by introducing yourself. I always have my guests just start by a little introduction. So tell me a little bit about who you are and who your family is, kind of like your elevator speech for yourself and your family. Sure. Um, My husband, Greg, and I met 20 years ago. It'll be 20 years next week, so that's kind of exciting. But we've been married for 15 years, and we live in Murray, Kentucky. And we have three kids. They are 10, 8, and 2. And we adopted them all as newborns through um, domestic private adoptions. And I blog and I have published our adoption story as a book. It's not just our adoption story, but it's also about our, my faith journey through those processes. And I um, manage a vacation rental here on Kentucky Lake, which is near where I live, and I volunteer at a pregnancy resource center. So that's my life in a nutshell. <laughs> That's a big life in a nutshell. It's good. <laughs> how Did you guys always want to adopt? How did that come through? Of course, we are an adoptive family too, so whenever people talk about adoption, my ears always perk up and I'm, I get really curious. Yeah, my, mine too, and I love adoption stories. We actually just assumed we'd have biological children after we'd been married a few years, and that did not work out as we planned. Just <laughs> We knew God was doing something. We just weren't sure what, and... God eventually led us to adopt um, our first daughter, and we really felt like that is how we were supposed to grow our family from then on out. So we gave up trying to become pregnant and just trusted God to grow our family through adoption. One of our, um, our first daughter was born in Indiana, so it was an interstate adoption, but our next two children were born right here in our small town we live in, so they were very local. Yeah, are the, do you mind me asking, are those open adoptions? Yes, they all are open. They're open to different degrees. Uh, my oldest has met her birth mom a couple times. My son 
I have a relationship with his birth mom, but he has not met her. And then my youngest, she's still, she's only two, but initially after her birth, we had the most contact with her birth mom. So still kind of see where that relationship will go, but they are open and we love that part of it. I know it's a really, it can be a really controversial topic in adoption, but as all of our children who came to us through adoption are all international adoptions. And of course, usually in an international adoption situation, they're not as open as of course they could be if they had been domestic adoptions. And I know for at least a couple of our kids, I sometimes I think, gosh, I wish you could have an open adoption because again, I understand that the grass is always greener on the other side, but there's so much, there's such a big hole for some of them that I think even if it was a really kind of tricky thing to navigate, you know, just even having that as a possibility would feel like such a huge blessing since we don't have it right now. So I don't want to be naive to think that it would be, again, sunshine and roses, but. And it's been really good for my oldest. She's, she just really thinks about things and has had a whole lot of questions. So it's been really good to be able to provide most of those answers for her in ways we might not have if the adoption hadn't been open. We'll have to see what it's like for the other two as they get older. But Yeah. So I was reading your About You section on your blog, and I absolutely love the line that says, I'm a former newspaper reporter who doesn't really fit into the stay-at-home mom label. I feel like that's the story of my life that I always, it's weird. I grew up with a mom who stayed at home. And so I feel like in some sense I, that was really important to me. And in, in one way, I always assumed I would stay home with my kids. But at the same time, I also assumed I would have a career. And at the time, I thought I was going to be a doctor. Now I realize when I say that out loud, <laughs> that sounds stupid. But I was like, I don't know, 13 at the time. And so it made right. a whole lot of sense. But because of that, it has, I was not one of those people that dreamed her whole life of being a mom and just couldn't wait to do it, even though I kind of assumed I would have kids and I assumed I would stay at home with mm-hmm. them. It was that not is my I, story. Yeah, it's just not where I felt like my identity was. And so, yeah. I don't know, I feel really blessed that early on in my motherhood career, I was able to like kind of break outside that stay-at-home mom box. Um, and it's really a passion of mine for moms, new moms who are feeling very overwhelmed and feeling like they're really crappy stay-at-home moms to help them find that balance because mm-hmm. I think that that misnomer of the quote-unquote stay-at-home mom was really made my identity search as a mom really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Do you, how, does that, how did that play out for you? Yeah, that, my story is very similar. Before I had kids, I always assumed I'd be a working mom. Um, my mom worked, and it's just what I knew and what was familiar to me. And I had my career path planned out. I did not really have becoming a mom part planned out. I just assumed it would happen when it was time for it to happen. And then when I decided it was time, it didn't happen. So then it shifted my focus some for what I wanted and what my priorities were. were. And I really had to think about that. And I, when, my, when we adopted Kate, our, our first, our oldest, 
I had plans to go back to work, and I did go back to work after I was off uh, some maternity leave with her. But as soon as I went back, I knew I needed to figure out a way to stay home. So my husband had recently gone out on his own. He's an attorney, and he had recently started his own practice. So it was a huge financial piece of our puzzle just to figure out how all of that was going to look and how we were going to have health insurance and things like that. But when Kate was four months old, I ended up quitting my job, and I've been a quote-unquote stay-at-home mom since, and that was a little over 10 years ago. So at first, I had a pretty solid group of stay-at-home mom friends, and we did things together, and we met at the park a lot, and we went on, you know, went to a museum, or we did different things, met up at the pool or whatever, and so that was really good, and then, but all that changed when our kids started getting in school, and they went to different schools, and some of my friends homeschool, and it kind of made it harder to, uh, for us to hang out as stay-at-home moms as our kids were not really at home anymore. So I kind of started adding things to my life and then taking things away, and it's just really varied with the season my kids have been in, what my day-to-day looks like. You know, right now I have a two-year-old, so... We've been at home a lot potty training, but, you know, two months ago, we were a lot busier. It just kind of changes from day to day and season to season. Yeah, um, and all your random things. So you mentioned some when you introduced yourself. So you're managing vacation rentals. So I manage the rentals. So if someone wants to rent them, there are two houses right next door to each other. They'll, the, rent, the people will email me or call me and we'll work out the reservations and I'll deal with all of that beforehand stuff and then I'll make sure the house is ready for them. But I have a girl who cleans for me and I, ha- you know, I have a guy that helps with the yard and different things. And so I just coordinate all of that. But thankfully I do have some help with the day-to-day maintenance of them. Um, there's, it's, that's especially busy in the summer because it's right on Kentucky Lake, and people like to come to swim and fish and boat and things like that. So that's kind of slow right now, but it picks up some in the summer. Yeah, I bet. And then what about your blog? So tell me how you got into blogging. And you have a background as a newspaper reporter, which I feel like sounds very dreamy, and I don't know. I'm really curious about that. But So how does that play into how you came to write on a, write at a blog? It does. I've always loved writing and I'd always I was the student in school who'd always prefer writing a paper over taking a test. So it's just always been how I've processed things and I've loved to tell stories and talk to people and hear their stories and tell other people about whatever I learned or whatever. So when I stopped working at the newspaper, I still really wanted to write. So I started my blog a little before that, but I really put more time and energy into it the last several years. And it's just been such therapy for me to process faith and motherhood and life and um, be able to connect with other Christians and other moms and other adoptive moms specifically. And it's just been, I guess, some good therapy to keep me going. (laughs) Yeah, amen. So how do you identify as an adoptive mom and what part of that story, what do you love about staying connected to the adoptive mom community and why is that community important to you over just kind of the general mom community? Well, when we got into adoption, I knew nothing. I knew very few people who'd ever adopted. I 
had no friends who had, and we were just we're, we were really grateful to connect with some a social worker and attorney who really helped us along. And I just remember though wishing I, I thought you know my friends were very supportive and would be happy to talk to me about it and everything. But there's some things you just don't quite understand if you haven't been in it. And um, so I just remember wanting that and. Um, so especially after our second adoption, I just started trying to share our story more and if I knew other people who were adopting, see where they could use some help. And um, our church is also very um, supportive of, adopt, of adoption and we have a, a grant fund. People can apply for grants through, this, through our church. You don't, they don't have, people don't have to belong to our church. And, um, so there's just been some opportunities to really connect with adoptive moms, and it's been really good and just such a reminder that there's so much value in support, just letting God use what you've been through to encourage someone else who may be walking through a similar situation now. Yeah, again, I say this. This is, I mean, like kind of the anthem of the podcast, that stories are really how we all stay connected, and there is an incredible amount of power in hearing someone else's story, seeing the ways that it overlaps with yours. And a lot of times, especially in the harder things that we do in life, and I would put adoption in that category, we need other people to tell their stories. We need to connect with other people that have been through it. Like you said, you don't get it until you've been through it. I have amazing friends that are still amazing friends, even though they haven't been through it, but there's something really special about connecting with another mom who's been where you are. And then even within that adoption community, there's really special connections that happen when people have done similar adoptions. So people who have open adoptions, people who have adopted kids over the age of 10, people who have adopted from the same country that you have, all of those things come together and make for really powerful therapy, for lack of a better word. Yeah, and the the other thing I really have loved about it is, Mike, we'll we'll get together with these other families, and like last summer, we had a pool party at my house, and all these fam adoptive families came, and my kids get to grow up with this community of people. I mean, again, they have other friends who are not adopted, and we have a great community at their school and at our church, and you know, they have friends from different aspects, but there is something really special that they get to grow up knowing all these other kids who were also adopted, and that they get to see how God has woven all of that together to give us this special community. My best friend growing up is also an adoptee, and she's been on the podcast a couple times. And I, people have actually credited how, I guess, how adaptive we've been in our adoption stories because we've had each other. Like that, that mm. singularly just being connected to another adoptee had could have had such a powerful effect in how we identified and grew up and had security in just who we are. You know, I think some of that Mm -hmm. has to do with personality, but, you know, for what it's worth, we both have younger siblings who also were adopted and who have struggled um, in different ways. But I think I probably took for granted all those years how normal it was um, and how we normalized each other. And so, yeah, I really, I totally appreciate that about what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, so you also, besides potty training a two-year-old, which will, you know, <laughs> humble any person, it doesn't get easier. You'd think like after no. one, two, three, like and, it doesn't. And they're all different. 
They all yeah. are different. They all, I mean, it's not, oh, gosh, there's no formula for this. <laughs> no. I mean, and I, the engineer in me wants it to work that way. Like, oh, it worked oh, that way yes. for this kid. It's gonna, we're going to do it just the same yeah. way the next time, and it's going to get easier and easier. And no. But you also, do you still volunteer for your local pregnancy center? I do. One morning a week, I, I get to go there and talk with some of the clients that come in and and I, I love it. It's, you know, things like that take a lot of coordination because I have to make sure I have a babysitter and, you know, just different things. But it is so worth it, and I love being there. I think that's amazing. And I think going back to that whole stay-at-home mom thing, I think for a long time I thought that if I did stuff like that, that I should feel guilty for yes. not being at home. It took me, yes. It took me a while to get there too. Um, but I feel like my kids are better for it. They're more rounded. I didn't need to be with them 24-7. They didn't, honestly, they didn't need me 24-7. And actually, I realized, like, how full of myself I thought to even think that, like, that I needed, that they needed me that often <laughs> and that frequently. Yeah. So interacting with that population, getting to know them, like, just life on life, getting to know them, do you get to really kind of get to know these women or is it kind of like, you know, they come in and then they're gone or do you ever get to kind of really sit with them and hear their stories? I do get to. Most of the clients I work with are part of a program called Earn While You Learn. So most of them are either pregnant or already have a small child. Usually the families we serve have kids. It's before the kids are in school. So most of the kids are like four and under. But um, they come and they, we do devotionals or we talk about whatever's going on in their life or sometimes they watch a life skills or a parenting video or we may do a Bible study, just kind of depending on where they are in life and what they could benefit most from. But they'll come every other week and then they earn points. And with those points, they can shop for diapers and wipes and clothes and baby food and just different things like that that their children may need. And so a lot of them are regular, so we'll get to find out what they need prayer for and then pray with them over whatever situation it is. And then it's really great when they come back and they've seen God do something in their lives or they've had a problem solved or whatever, whatever the circumstances are. So there is a lot of relationship being built there, which I do like. And then, of course, there are people that don't come regularly and they just pop in every now and then. And um, we're always grateful they feel comfortable coming too, you know. Do you feel like your paradigm has of the world has changed because of the work that you do there? I do. I feel like it started with our local open adoptions. And my youngest birth mom, she lived less than a mile from us. But it was an entirely different world. I mean, just she didn't have a car. She would, you know, run out of minutes on her cell phone and then just never, never replace them. And just, um, you know, a lot more of not being sure how she was going to pay a bill and get groceries. And just it was so eye-opening to me to be like, she lives one mile, less than one mile from me, and it's a whole other world. So that really started opening my eyes to just, what really goes on in, in, in our community. Because at first glance, we live in a university town, a really, um, you know, well-off community, but there's a lot of needs right here. So after that, I really felt led to 
get involved and use some of what I'd learned that through my relationships with uh, my kids' birth moms to maybe pour into some other moms in the community. So that's kind of how it, I got involved. And just as I've been involved, my eyes have been opened. And I've just seen, in some ways, I deal with the same things that some of these moms deal with. But in other ways, our circumstances are so very different. So it's just been really interesting to see the similarities and the differences and how God can meet us right there in the middle of our conversations and encourage both of us. I mean, I leave there encouraged. You know, ideally I go there to encourage them, but I always leave there feeling encouraged too. Yeah, I just, I appreciate that your humility to be able to kind of enter other people's worlds and kind of be able to allow you to say, hey, maybe what I thought about the world isn't exactly what I thought because there's so many things out there and I didn't know what I didn't know. And uh, I hear that a lot, that a lot of times we go into these things thinking I can help someone and then you find out it's the exact opposite. Like you're Mm -hmm. there to learn. Mm -hmm. So, and I think, do you feel that way about parenting or adoption especially? Because I know we all, not we all, a common conception, misconception even, of adoption is these kiddos need a family and we're thinking we could be a family. Do you feel like that's not always the way it comes out? Sometimes it's maybe we needed this kid to teach us some things about life. Definitely. We certainly experience that with all of our children to some degree, but especially our third. We, my first two are just two years apart, and we figured we'd try to adopt another one when our son was little, and, but we met all these closed doors, and it just wasn't happening. And so we kind of just laid it down, and, I mean, the desire was still there, but we went on living our lives, and then God surprised us one day, and a friend introduced us to this woman, and I w- thought I was just going to talk to her about adoption, but she ended up asking me if I if we wanted to adopt the child she was pregnant with. And so we met with her and talked with her and, you know, the whole, you know, we were like, oh, we have this good family. It'll be, you know, a good house, all this thing. It'll be great to welcome another child into our family. But she has just been the best thing for all of us. She is so fun and so full of joy. And it's been so good to see my older kids be able to be such a part of her babyhood and remember things and it's just been everything we didn't ex- we we didn't know we needed you know but she's just been such a joy for our family i love when life works out that way and just gives us what we didn't even know to ask for mhm yeah beautiful so tell me about porch stories cuz we're talking about different stories and it sounds like you love helping people and you love community just as much as I do. Tell me how Porch Stories, what that is, how it came to be, all the things about it. About three years ago, one of my blogging friends named Beth, she had a link up called Three Word Wednesday. And she was feeling like she wanted to stop hosting it and just step, she stepped away from blogging. And she, but she didn't want to just like toss it aside because it had kind of developed a community there and that I was part of and so she kind of passed it along to me and then so I just kind of kept hosting it 
other people would come and share their blog posts and comment and there you know it was it was a good community of people and but then last year I was like I think I need to change this up just a little so it goes a little bit better with what I want my blog to be and so I renamed it Port Stories and um the tagline of my blog is Seeking God is the author of every story and I just wanted each Wednesday for people to be able to come and link stories that they've written um, about what God's doing in their life and just where they are. And I want it to be like an online version of if a bunch of women just gathered on a porch and were talking about their weeks or what books they read or what prayers were answered or what what they were struggling with or just whatever would happen in a normal conversation when people gathered. I wanted it to be like a online version of that so that's the mission behind it and so it's been port stories for about a year that's that community has been happening it's been really neat to see that's so cool I want to do that for real I mean like have people on my porch and of course it would need to be cleaned first because it's a disaster but which is why hanging out on your blog is a little (laughs) bit easier Um, I just heard about um, the turquoise table have you ever heard of that I have. I've, I, there's a book, I think, which I have not read, but I've heard about the concept. I'm mulling it over. I, we live, well, we live in a community with an HOA that we didn't know existed, and, oh. and our family is not very HOA, and so we've kind of, kind of come up against that HOA in the past, and so it's kind of tinted like my view of my neighborhood. I'm just, I have an attitude problem about it. <laughs> to be honest. And so I really feel like somebody's telling you what to do. Yes. I know, I know. And I don't I don't handle that very well. But I don't know. I just feel like we've lived here for ten years. We know like a whole two neighbors. Um we kind of are on the a little bit of the outskirts of the neighborhood, so that's another excuse I have. But at the end of the day, I don't know, I'm kind of feeling like once it warms up a little here because we have a smaller house but like a decent sized yard, you know, I want to just start gathering people in the neighborhood. I don't even know if our neighborhood has people that are wanting to gather because I feel like there are a lot of two working parents and I know there's kids in the neighborhood, but they're just never out. I don't know where they are, but I just think, well, maybe they just need an invitation. So that's my thing for 2018 is to I love that. get rid of my attitude about my neighbors <laughs> and maybe get to know them. <laughs> Um, they probably, I bet some of them are just waiting for an invitation. You never I know. know. That's what everyone says. That's what they all say. Everyone I've ever heard tell a story that's remotely like this is like, you know, I just threw it out there and I didn't think anyone would come. And then, bam, I had 100 people in my backyard, which I would totally be good for, which is why I have to wait for the nicer weather just in case yes. it really does happen that way because I can fit about five <laughs> people in my house. So I, did not, I cannot have 50 people show up to that. Yeah, I love that just idea of gathering, sharing stories, you know, just kind of know, supporting each other, you know, listening to each other, kind of all of those things. So you have a word for 2018. Have you always had a word? How long have you had words for mm-hmm. years? I, I didn't last year at all, or maybe the year before that. So I'm very sporadic about it. But in 2014, my word was joy, which God did a whole lot with, and it was really 
cool because then in 2015 is when we met our youngest birth mom. And our, like I was talking about earlier, I mean, our third child is just the epitome of joy. And it's been so cool to look back on what God did by me choosing this tiny three-letter word to focus on. And he changed the dynamic of our family through it. And it's been really cool. So, but really since then, I hadn't had a focus like that. So, but how, in what ways do you kind of focus on on that? Well, when, I, when my word was joy, I read some books about joy. I um, spent some time studying Bible verses about that. And I don't know if it was me just being willing to tell God this, you know, I would like to learn about this or whatever or experience this. And I just, there was a lot of opportunities to choose joy despite circumstances and things like that. So I think a lot of it was just my mental surrender to God, you know, and and to invite him in to teach me these things or be willing to learn them or whatever. So at the end of last year, the last few months of last year, um, I don't know, I felt like I was in this place with God and I was learning a lot of new things and a lot of them just came back to like being surrendered to him and not trying to be in control and not trying to fix all the problems I see around me. And he just kind of kept, God kept leading me to some scriptures and some songs and I just realized there was a theme within them and the theme was that Jesus is our rescuer and we've already been rescued and I don't have to live my life in a way that I'm trying to be rescued over and over again. I do think there's an element of I have to continually surrender things, and um, but I just wanted to give up having trying to live like I was trying so hard to get Jesus to rescue me again because he's already done that, and um, I wanted to live that out. So do you feel like there's freedom wrapped up in that like you have been rescued it's in the past and then we can move forward so much yeah so much freedom um especially because i can quickly start worshiping idols of productivity and trying really hard and wanting to solve all the problems and um that becomes really stressful and that becomes such a burden to carry when it's not really my burden to carry and so there is so much freedom and just trying to live with the idea that I don't have to do anything to receive what God, the grace and just the life that God has for me. Yeah, I can really relate to that because I feel like I feel a huge responsibility a lot of times and I feel a huge sense of urgency. And so every time I see a problem mm-hmm. that I think I might have the ability to fix, I think mm-hmm. it's my job to do it. And I was just talking to a really good friend the other day about how I was just learning that I'm not anybody's savior. And then that includes mm-hmm. my kids. Like I can't I know. even do it for them. <laughs> I can't. Right. Um, I just can't, but I want to. You know, I want to swoop in and yes. throw solutions at things and, I, you know, I save people from themselves even, I think. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, I I appreciate that. I um I've never had a word before, but I'm f- hearing a lot about it. And here's this, the ridiculous thing: I feel like God gave me a word a couple weeks ago, and I didn't write it down, and now I can't remember it. And 
I was clear as day. I was like, this word thing, I'm not sure I'm into this. It's kind of dumb. And then one day I like woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, I know what my word has to be for 2018. And I can't remember anymore. Um, I'm going to have to pray about it a little bit more. I think I remember I was the say, end. Hopefully he'll give it back to you. Yeah. I know. I kind of remember, um, I was just thinking as you were talking, I kind of remember like some of the ideas behind it. I just don't remember the actual word. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to really have some quiet and think about that. But I, I love that. I love, yeah, what you're thinking through and that idea because um, I don't know if it's a type A thing or if it's a Enneagram 1 thing or something, but I can totally relate to that. Well, um, I am type idea. A and Enneagram 1. so. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We're like the same person. I just discovered yeah. the Enneagram like, like two months um, ago, maybe three. Yeah. And I really yeah. thought up until about – a month ago that I was an eight. I thought I was an eight wing seven and that's how I was like really identifying. And then I got a book and I started reading and I was reading to my husband because we thought he was a one and I was reading it out loud to him. And I was like, as I was reading, I was like cracking up and he was giving me that look like, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, you do hear yourself in this. Right. And so I did some more praying about it, did some more reading about it. I am like, I'm signed up for the Enneagram Institute's like daily, they have like a daily email oh, that you can get based on your I need type. to get on that. It's really cool. Well, but one, of, one of my favorite oh, – go ahead. Well, I was just going to say I signed up for three different numbers because I was like on the fence. I was like, <laughs> now I don't know what I am. Yeah. And so for the last week I've been getting these emails. And so I read all three numbers and I realize that like every day – Sometimes I'm like, I get the three or I get the eight, but every day I'm like, I totally get the one. And so now I'm convinced. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's been really eye-opening for me. I took the test a, while, a test a while ago, and I was a one with a two wing, and that, I, that totally sounds like me as I read about it. But then I made my husband take it, and he does not really care that much about this sort of thing. My and husband either. He thinks I'm crazy. <laughs> he's a three and on the Enneagram Institute website you can read about how two numbers like what the relationship naturally is like yes and it's just really opened my eyes to like some of the little conflicts we've had kind of go back to who we are at the core I mean not that I don't want to make excuses I mean we still need to navigate those and figure out you know how to resolve that sort of thing but it's just been eye-opening to know that this is where our struggles are going to be because of who we are. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I have had, I feel like my biggest thing has been now I know why I struggle with some of my kids so much. And again, not no excuses, mm-hmm. but it's given me a lot of language mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that Enneagram Institute, like, how you are in relationship with another number is why mm-hmm. I was so convinced that he was a one and I was an eight. So now that I'm convinced I'm a one, either he's an eight or we're just, I don't know, I wing an eight or something because when I read that like eight and one thing, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like they live inside our house. It was really yes, bizarre. I know. It's really, really, anyway, I'm just, I'm fascinated. The whole personality thing fascinates me. And so this, I feel like has so much depth to it, more so than some of the other personality type being yeah. tests or systems or whatever. I don't know. This one has really drawn me in and I'm, yes, I don't know. Me too. Besides that word that God gave me that I'm going to go chase him down for, I don't know, maybe my other word is Enneagram for 2018. There you go. Go with it. <laughs> yeah, totally. All right. So let's wrap up. What are you not doing? Um, this is like, this is really my theme for 2018 is I'm trying to set people free from the social media 
and realize that we're only putting, a lot of us are only putting our mm -hmm. best face forward and despite mm -hmm. all the things that people are doing trainings on and webinars on and whatever whatever they're showing on their social media, whatever they're Pinteresting, we all do that. There's There's no balance. Like we're all doing that at the expense of something else. And even, mm -hmm. you know, I love to blog. I, you know, I have a small business that I run, all these things, and people are always like, how do you do it all? And I'm like, here's the thing. I'm not doing it all. And I'm not doing a lot of things that you probably are making time to do. And so we all have the same 24 hours in a day, and no one's doing it all. So you are, we talked about some of the things you are doing, which all of them amazing, mm -hmm. but what are you not doing? Um, I am not scheduling all all the space on my calendar. I'm leaving intentionally leaving some open spaces because it goes back to that temptation to worship productivity. And it's been so good these last few weeks to have open time where I can read or write or play with my kids or, you know, whatever, just whatever, where I'm not scheduled every part of my day. It's been really freeing for me. And the other thing I'm not doing much is I love to read. I love books, and, but I am not reading many nonfiction, like self-help type books right now. I'm reading mostly fiction and memoirs because I needed a break of all the yeah. things people think I should do or be, even totally legitimate help, <laughs> you know. But my tendency as an Enneagram One is to look at a situation and see how it can improve. And I don't do a very good job sitting and just being in all the good things that are already surrounding me. I'm always wanting to improve them. I want to improve good things. And so I needed a break from most nonfiction books. So I'm really enjoying just the stories, about, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, just the stories that you read in memoirs and in fiction books have been really good for my soul this year. So far, yeah. What is your go-to fiction? Like what? Like kind of within fiction, what's what do you enjoy besides memoirs, which isn't fiction? I get I, that. So within right. fiction, <laughs> what do you like? Um, I like during when we had we had all this snow at the beginning of January, so I really wanted to not feel cold and snowy. So I read just a beach, a like a women's lit book about the you know some friends on the beach like love story or whatever so that's not even my usual go-to but I needed a break from the winter so I had to go to like a summary book I really like the psychological suspense thrillers or whatever not like scary scary like it could happen to me type things but just where you're trying to figure out where the story's going and what this person is thinking I like books like that a lot yeah those are the kind of movies that my husband really likes. I like them sometimes, but I'll tell you, my yeah. brain's been really tired lately. And so, embarrassingly, my go-to fiction lately has been, like, inspirational, like, love fiction. Um, it's all right. There's not a yeah. whole lot of redeeming things there in terms of, like, helping my mind be better. But I spent all of June after we finished our homeschool year, like, sleeping in, not sleeping in, but laying in my bed until, like, 10 o'clock reading, you know, Amish love stories and uh, like other just, you know, really cheesy. It's, it's almost like a good Hallmark. Break. I know. Yes. It's like Hallmark Channel in a book is really mm. what I was going I spent for. some time watching some Hallmark movies in December. So 
I'm with I, you. I get I it. <laughs> I actually figured out how to stream them on my iPad, which was um, mm. dangerous. But you could have them wherever you were. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what was dangerous about it. Sure. Um, yeah, good. I And it's funny what you said about your calendar because I'm – having similar thoughts, but I'm taking it the complete opposite direction. So I am not as disciplined as you. So when I have that space on my calendar, I still manage to fit something productive in. Like I'm like, oh, I have nothing to do. Let's be productive. So my thing is actually I'm doing the exact opposite, which is to schedule almost every blessed minute of my day, but forcing myself to schedule like Mm – eat lunch for half an hour and don't do anything else. Like sit on the sofa and read a book for an hour or whatever. So I'm like, because it's on my calendar, I kind of feel like I have to do it. So then I yeah. actually do it. And then, and then I can see what I, what time I have to be productive, but I actually had to like schedule the white space in. So I get I'm that. I get doing. that. <laughs> um, shout, you know, like remember to shower. That's important. Those kinds it is. of things. <laughs> Very. <laughs> so, Second wrap-up question, what is a life hack that you have going on that's really working out for you? So my town is pretty small. So we just recently, our grocery store just recently started where you can order groceries online and go pick them up. And I was like, well, that'll be nice, but I kind of like going to the grocery, but um, no, ordering my groceries online and showing up to pick them up is the greatest thing that has happened recently. Yeah, wait till I love you it. it's, get grocery delivery to your house. We don't have that either. Yeah. We live in the middle of nowhere, but yeah. I dream about it. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's been so good. Like, I'll plan the meals, and my kids will tell me what they want from the grocery. And then, like, my list is just made. So there's been a lot less of, well, why didn't you get this? Because, you know, I didn't write it on my list or whatever. But if we're making the list together on my computer in the kitchen, <laughs> then no one can complain. I mean, I'm sure they'll still find something to complain about, but it's not it's as a easy little. because I got the yeah piece you wanted or whatever. Yeah, yeah. and within, you, can get their input, you can get their <laughs> right. input without actually having yeah. to drag them there. Oh, right. Especially all of them. Like All of them. Anyway. No, that's great. So, and they can have to think about what they want instead of actually like scrolling through right. the, like actually walking through the grocery store and like seeing something right. that they didn't even know they wanted and now they right. need it. Right. So that's been really great. The other thing that came to mind is I wash clothes by people. Like, so I'll do all of my son's clothes in one load. I'll do all my husband's in another load. I don't separate them by color, which I know makes people cringe. But then when they come out of the dryer, I don't have to sort them. This is all Ben's clothes. This is all Kate's clothes, you know? So that's been another little thing that's helped move my laundry along. Yeah, we kind of do a similar thing, and we don't sort colors either. I just wash. We we have some kind of like, it's not even cold. It's like eco-warm. So it's it's. I don't know. It's an in-between. And I really just yes. try to buy clothes that I'm pretty sure won't run. Right. And right. Go that. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan. And, yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know why it makes it seem to move along faster, but taking out the one set step just makes it flow better for some reason. So. Well, and I don't know if you have your kids doing this. Like, well, my, everyone but my 11-year-old does their own laundry from start to finish anyway. And so they only do theirs. So I mean, so that only leaves yeah. you know 
a couple other people to do. Um, right. When I was doing it, I would, you know, you would just dump the pile on their bed or whatever, and then you were done. Like, you didn't have to, yep. I don't know, we're not big folders in our house. I like to have my laundry folded, but I don't die on that hill for my kids. So that sorting is great. In fact, I just, we have my parents and my sister live here, and so I just was, had a laundry basket in my dining room. I looked at the top of it, and I was like, those aren't even my clothes. Like, those don't even belong in my house. <laughs> They're not even mine. Where did those come from? Mm-hmm. They, like, jumped in from someone else's amber. Um, Recently, my son, who's eight, told me I could stop matching his socks because why do socks need to match, Mom? And I said, I don't know. I will stop matching your socks. You do not have to tell me twice. So That's amazing. I just got yeah. my, um, my father and my nephew socks from a sock company that sells mismatched socks. Mm-hmm. I, think I think it's the thing. I think it's, it's like friend. called Sock Pal or something. And the mm. funny thing is, or the really cute thing is, is they actually have a story. Um, I think it's like a social, they have some kind of social, um, it's like a social enterprise of some sort. But their whole message is that, you know, we can be friends with people that are different than us. And so wow. all of their socks are mismatched like little creatures. And so it's like, like the that. message of, yeah, as long as you get all of your socks from this company, then they'll all they'll all feel the same on your feet. But right, they, right. They're, you know, there's like different like animals and colors and patterns and all of these things. And they actually made it sound appealing to have mismatched socks. I was like, I can get behind that and not have to match people's socks. So Exactly. One less thing to do. <laughs> one less thing to do. And I'm with you on that for sure. Well, I am so glad that we finally made this happen. I know it was a little dicey. Me too. And I know that you were snowed in forever. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> can't even. Um, so I'm really excited. I am I'm all about your porch stories. I'm going to be there on Wednesdays. I'm going to, I'm trying to get back into blogging. It was hard for a while and um, I'm trying to get back into it. And I also am liking podcasting a lot because I feel like it takes less brain work because I just have to have a fun conversation with someone. I don't have to like write something, but I'm really trying to write more. So I'm going to show up at porch stories. I'm excited. Good. You should. Yes. And thanks for having me on the podcast. It was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. Have a great weekend. And thanks so much. You too. Thank you. Well, that was fun. And I made a new friend. Kristen was even sweet enough to send me her playlist for 2018 around her word rescued and her book. Plus, I figured out what my word for 2018 is. It's community. We were pretty isolated during our crisis with our older kids, and then we kind of withdrew because being in relationship was really just too taxing and too triggering. So I'm praying that 2018 will be the year where we bring more people around us. Plus, I'm going to figure out how to make friends with my neighbors. On the show notes page this week, I'll have the link to Kristen's blog, which is just kristenhilltaylor.com. She's Kristen with a K and an I and Taylor with an O. From there, you can find all of the places where she hangs out on social media. I'll also have a link to Sock Pals, where you can invest in mismatched socks and help make a difference. I love hearing your comments and feedback after each show. I'm at M.A. Corkum on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And you can also tag conversations about the show with hashtag TheUncorkedPodcast. 
If you listen via iTunes, will you do me a favor and leave a comment there too and a rating? If you enjoy the show, the rating will help others find us. Thanks again for coming back each week. Next week, Trisha's coming back and it's a doozy of a conversation where we really get down and dirty into our political differences, but we're still friends. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it. 